Welcome to the NC4 Podcast. We exist to know Christ and make Him known. Discover the power of a connected life by listening to this message from God's Word. We're still in this series on the power of praise. So, do you know how hard it is to find jokes about praise? But I found one. Okay. So the story is told. You guys know that means... It's just a story, right? Okay. A pastor's driving home and suddenly his car breaks down. So he has to go ask a local farmer for a ride. But the farmer says, I can't drive you now, but you can borrow my horse. So Mr. Farmer says, but this is a special horse. This is a holy horse. And you have to say, praise the Lord to make it go. And amen to make it stop. Well, pastor says, great, a holy horse. So he gets up on the saddle and says, praise the Lord. And he starts off. So about a mile down the road, the horse gets spooked by a snake in the road. And he starts galloping full speed towards a huge cliff. Stop, yells the pastor. Because in his panic, he'd forgotten how to make the horse stop. Whoa, he's not stopping. Come on, man. The horse is still not stopping. Nothing is working. So he quickly starts to cry out to God, help me, help me, help me, God. And then, of course, he has to finish that prayer by saying, in Jesus' name, amen. So the horse stops inches from the edge of the cliff. Now the pastor is amazed that God answered his humble prayer. So he says, praise the Lord. Oh, that's so good. It's so stupid, but I just... (laughs) All right. So the series that we've been doing now for six or seven weeks now, I've lost count actually, um, there were some of the topics included things like this, how praise begets joy, praise as warfare, an exchange for a garment of praise, the power of Christ-like praise, and how the Holy Spirit makes us a walking praise. Well, hopefully we'll restate some of those principles of praise that we've already preached on, and that'll help reinforce some of those most important truths. But today, our topic is going to be on positions and perspectives of praise. I'm using scripture segments from Psalm 63, Psalm 149, and Psalm 150. So before I have our reader, Tyndall Stevens, do the scripture reading, let me set this up a little bit. This message is a little different from some other messages on praise. It's it's going to talk more about some of the mechanics of praise. Oh, we are going to use the Bible, but it's not going to be typical exegesis from a passage of scripture not like we usually do. It's going to be a little more topical. We'll talk about the what, the how, and the where of praise. We're also going to have a little bit of fun with language and terminology related to praise. And even though it may be less theological, more practical, it'll actually help us to apply what we've been learning about praise. So our purpose today is this, to experience the power of praise by understanding the scriptures regarding the positions or the postures and perspectives 
of praise. Now, for a number of you, this will just be a refresher, but this might be new information for some. So, Tyndall, come on up, get ready to read, and before you read, I'm going to pray. So, Lord, we ask that these words that we hear today, that your scriptures would refresh us, God. Lord, more importantly, I pray we would take on perspectives of praise, which some of which maybe, Lord, we forgot. So, Lord, renew us through your Holy Spirit in the words of your scriptures, we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Tyndall, go ahead and open up with Psalm 63. O oh God, you are my God. I shall seek for you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you. In a dry and weary land where there is no water. Thus I have seen you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul is satisfied as with marrow and fatness. And my mouth offers praises with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. For you have been my help. And, and in the shadow your wings I sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. Thank you, Tyndall. Appreciate that very much. And that's just a sampling of praise that we're going to be using today as one of our references. But the first question I want to ask all of us today, and I asked myself as we began this series, is with this question right now, which is, How's your praise life? You know, often we ask about our prayer lives, but today I want to ask about our praise life. How's your praise life going? So before you answer that, let's review what, what we mean by this word praise. I know in the beginning, Ian did a very good job in one of the beginning messages of giving some definitions to that, but I want to refresh us on some of those definitions. So we're going to look at positions, perspectives regarding praise, with a guiding principle that's going to enforce everything that we say here, and that guiding principle is this. To be scriptural, that is biblical, in our positions and perspectives of praise, we need to understand the biblical language of praise. Well, one aim today, then, is to clarify what is biblical praise to make sure that we're all talking the same language, which is, of course, the language of praise. If we're seeking a biblical understanding of praise, we have to have some very clear looking at the scriptures again. Now, how many of you guys grew up in the charismatic renewal? Some of you guys are of that, right? And we had gone to a church, and then the church bulletin had the order of service for the day. And because they went from being liturgical church to being a charismatic church, they still had a program with the order of service. And right there in the middle of it would say, time of worship and praise. And guests coming in didn't have any idea what that was. Well, I kind of think I knew what it meant, but the truth is that word worship and praise, it became almost like the uh, uh, password to charismatics and contemporary. It was like a, a buzzword. And unfortunately, like so many other things, it became part of Christianese. 
time of worship and praise. And as so often is the case, when you use that word over and over, it begins to lose its meaning. And I mean to say this, I think in some, for some of us, our understanding of praise actually became diluted by those cases because we use the word so often. So I dare to say we may be engaging in something that is actually not biblical praise. It might be something else, but it's not biblical praise. So we've developed this formula. I recall this as a worship leader myself, where you tried to come up with this sequence of song styles that leads from praise into worship. It goes from fast, clappy, rocky praise songs, maybe some dancing, followed by slow, deeply emotive worship songs. And any mixing up of that order was quenching the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I'm serious. I used to say it myself. All that, that word they shared in the middle of that, that broke up the whole flow of the Spirit. Where is the flow of the Spirit in the Bible? Do you find it anywhere? No. So it's almost like in the span of 2,000 years of Christianity, all these styles of worship and praise from Gregorian chants to the most modern ska band playing, rock and, uh, playing Rocky uh, worship, whatever it might be, our complaints about worship and praise seem arbitrary, don't they, in the grand scheme of things. So let's get back to the Bible, shall we? What do we mean by praise? In the original New Testament Greek, the word that's often used for praise really means to this, to sing or to tell of or to give out or to confess and agree. That's what the Greek word there actually means. We'll talk about that in a little bit. In simpler terms, it just means this, to express thanks to God for him and for his blessings, to declare to God our extreme gratitude for who he is and for everything he has done. That's really simple, but that's basically what praise is. Now, to differentiate it from praise and then to talk about worship, I'm going to use biblical language again. And in both Greek and in Hebrew, the word that's used for worship conveys this, to prostrate oneself, to bow down, to fall face down, to pay homage and to pay respect. In other words, worship is the highest physical form of honor and respect that you can show towards God. While worship can be done in public places like praise, the main directive of worship is very different from praise. Worship is a direct conversation between you and God. It's highly intimate, deeply personal. And when you read the word worship in the Bible, please think about this physical position of physically humbling ourselves before God. In the minds of the biblical authors who wrote these things, they use the word worship almost synonymous with bowing down. Do you understand that? That's biblical language. That's part of the things we're talking about. How are we doing on time? Oh, we're doing great. I've got stories to tell. So we want to emphasize and focus on how the Bible translates some of these things. And um, the ones that are really about what praise is, even when the word praise is not included in the passage. 
Now, it's true that the passage that was selected today for our readings is going to have a lot of the word praise in it. But trust me, there's a lot more praise going on in the Bible, in the words of the Bible, than using the word praise. Got to be careful about that. So if I'm going to describe praise by using the Bible, I can't just take um, a concordance and look up the word praise. I'm going to be missing a lot of important passages. Furthermore, we're working with two, at least two languages here in the Bible, which are not languages we speak every day. Not most of us anyway. In fact, I'll show you this is really interesting to do, is to say what portion of all of this here is actually Hebrew and which part is English. I'm sorry, is Greek. So the thickest portion of my Bible, which is the Old Testament, which we shouldn't call it that, we should call it the Hebrew Testament, is the majority of our Bible. The rest of it is the New Testament. This is written exclusively in Greek. Both languages not commonly spoken. So we have limitations based on what translators put into English for us. Now, this is something I discovered that I thought was very interesting. The Oxford Dictionary has somewhere in the realm of 500,000 English words today. That's a lot of words. In the Old Testament Hebrew text, it is written using only about 8,700 Hebrew words. The whole Old Testament, this big, thick section of this, is actually using less than 9,000 words. Furthermore, one scholar said this, you could actually read 80% of the Old Testament and understand it by only memorizing 640 Hebrew words. Wow, that's not many words compared to what we have in our dictionary. So you're thinking, wow, these translators into English, you must have this wide array of ways of describing what's going on by the words in the Greek or in the Hebrew. But it's such an interesting thing because the word praise is used so often in the Hebrew text, especially the Psalms. It's so important, though, that we get the, why this word praise is used so often is because it was such an essential part to the Jews' relationship with God. And Jesus enforces that in the New Testament. We'll talk about that. And as it is to us, praise is an essential thing. So it's still mind-boggling to believe this. Hebrew language is far more robust in describing praise than is the English language. Isn't that amazing? In fact, when we did a, a little sum, I did a quick study on Hebrew in the Old Testament and found out Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> I do have my phone here so I can continue on. Okay. Are we good? All right, thank you guys. Uh, there are six words I've picked out. There are more than that, but six words in Hebrew that are translated often the word praise in English. One's called tehillah, which means to praise vocally with songs or shouts. Psalm 22, you are enthroned upon the praises of Israel. Then there's the word halal, halal. Halal sounds a little bit like a word we use often in translating Hebrew. In fact, we say the literal Hebrew word hallelujah. Okay, that means praise, yah, 
Praise Yahweh. That's what he's saying. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Another one is yada. Yada is another word meaning praise. It's usually vigorous extending of hands to give worship or adoration to God. There's a word, and we know this because we had a, a president with this as his first name, Barak. Barak means bless. I will bless the Lord. And sometimes, though, it's translated, I will praise the Lord. But it comes from the root in the Hebrew, meaning to bless. Tauda. Tauda means to pray with outstretched hands in agreement with what has already been said. Yes, Lord. Yes, God. That kind of outstretched hand to praise with that is called tauda. And zamar. Zamar means this. It has to do with singing and making music, often translated as make music. But Psalm 9 says, I rejoice in thee. I will sing praises to your name. The word there is zamar. So Hebrew is colorful in the words they use to describe this thing called praise. English, not so much. It's actually a little bit dull. In the New Testament, there's a couple of places. We'll just do briefly a sampling of two of those where Jesus is saying in Matthew 18, he says, Father, I praise you, Lord of heaven and earth. You've hidden these things from the wise and intelligent. You've revealed it to infants. His words, I praise you, is using this one Greek word. And then in Mary's Magnificat, all of you are familiar with Mary when she said, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. Well, that's that same Greek word. It's translated often, though, as praise in the New Testament. So we have to be careful not to limit ourselves to just this English translation to that word because this concept the idea of what is happening there is all praise. But we, in English, are so limited in our language. So I want to expand that way. In the short reading that Tyndall did for us on Psalm 63, seven or eight examples of praise are included in there. Positions of praise, as well as perspectives and attitudes towards praise. And yet, the word praise only occurs twice in that whole passage. Well, that's interesting. That's interesting. But we want to talk further about some other physical positions of praise according to the Bible. And the Bible, thank God, has given us lots and lots of examples for us. I would like to look together with us, if we can, at Psalm 149. <clears throat> Psalm 149, let me just read it quickly. As I read, I want you to listen to the words. And I want you to picture in your mind examples of body positions while praise is going on. Verse 1. Praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song, and his praise in the congregation of the godly ones. Let Israel be glad in his maker. Let the sons of Zion rejoice in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing. Let them sing praises to him with timbrel and lyre. Timbrel is a small tambourine. It's actually a tambourine-like instrument. And lyre is a stringed instrument, probably like what we would call a harp. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people and will beautify the afflicted ones with salvation. Let the godly ones exalt in glory. Let them sing for joy on their beds. 
Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. Really? To execute vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples. To bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. To execute on them the judgment written. This is an honor for the godly ones. Praise the Lord. That's Psalm 149. So these are all acceptable ways of offering praise to God. Did you notice all the ways it is? And yet, there are prescribed acceptable forms of praise, bodily positions of praise in Christianity today, in all the forms of Christianity, in the more liturgical churches. The acceptable positions of our body for praise include sitting, standing, perhaps kneeling, and, well, that's about it. Maybe some singing. And so these are, for ecclesiastically conservative expressions of Christianity, of things that you should be able to do while you praise God. The story is told of a man who came into a church. He was of a, let's put it this way, more expressive demonstration. I'll call him a charismaniac. And he went into the local Baptist church, and he sat in the back row, and when they got to the singing of the hymns, he lifted his hands in praise to God, and then an usher came over and tapped him on the shoulder and said, excuse me, sir, what do you think you're doing? He says, I'm praising the Lord. And the usher says, we don't praise the Lord in this church. <laughs> I had that experience actually when I was growing up, because I got saved in a liturgical church. But in obedience to my parents, I continued to attend services with them. And it was pretty much the same thing, standing, kneeling, sitting. But, oh, we didn't sing. The cantor would sing, but we didn't sing. But when I got saved, I said, I'm going to sing. And my parents would say, don't get too excited. <laughs> you know, you don't have to sing so loud. Look at everybody's looking at you. And my parents were ashamed. They, were, they could cringe every time I would sing out in church. But listen, true biblical praise includes lots of forms, lots of body positions, some of which make us uncomfortable. And I dare say, even here at church, sometimes people say, why does she have to go up there and do that? I, I don't like that. And we have some people say, yeah, if you want to do that, do that in the back. Don't do that up front. So that lack of comfort, we'll talk about that in a little bit, it still exists even amongst us. So Psalm 149 says, with our voice, we sing praises in the congregation. We sing praise with our body because it says praise him with the dance. You don't want to see me dance. Although I am pledging, I'm going to learn how to do Highland dance. I am. And I'm going to invite some guys to come join me in that too. It'll really be cool. With instruments, how about that? We praise with instruments. We can praise them with that. Things like tambourines, although I think they're illegal here in New Covenant. Okay, because a tambourine is actually a percussion instrument. It's uh, the lyre, it's like a stringed harp. I don't know if it's a harp of six strings, does it become a guitar? Maybe something like that. We sing praises with the congregation, but when we're alone, not so much. No, 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 no. The scripture says this. We sing on our beds. Isn't that interesting? Wow. And then the psalm says this. Praise the Lord with high praises and with the two-edged sword in our hand. That is shocking. To praise God with a sword in our hands. Whoa. 
But it says this, do we praise him by executing his judgments? It sounds a little bit like praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. It does. It sounds a little bit like that. It was written at a time when the cause of God involved warfare. Well, I would refocus this particular phrase to say this. We can lift praises to God when we engage in warfare with our spiritual enemies. It is a praise to God when we execute God's judgment against our spiritual enemies. Triumphant praise. And the other Psalms, you guys know this, there's praise with banners. Well, we've had banners here at New Covenant, which I, I love the banner ministry, just when it's not within six inches of my nose, that's all. It's the only time I'm a little uncomfortable with banners, you know. And um, lifting of hands, clapping hands. My wife hates it when I clap hands because I clap so loud, I, it could actually hurt your ears. It's true. Shouting in church? Shouting, yes. Bowing down, leaping for joy. Looking up to heaven as a position of praise to God. All these are biblical positions or postures that make, some of which make people uncomfortable. But there's a more important principle to keep in mind in all of these positions, and that is this. The position of my heart means more to God than the position of my body. However, however, my outward position of praise can also penetrate to my heart. We're going to explore this in a little bit. First, I want to ask this. What is God's perspective of our praise. What is it? We need to be integral. Integral means this. I am on the outside what I am on the inside. That is desirable to have that. We don't want to be fake. Uh, what's it called? WYSIWYG. What you see is what you get. Our outward praise should be an expression of what's in our inner hearts. Of course, we know from the scriptures in 1 Samuel 16, Yahweh looks at the heart. He doesn't look at the outsides. And Isaiah prophesied this from God. In Isaiah chapter 1, he says this. So when you spread out your hands, I'm going to hide my eyes from you. Yes, even though you offer many prayers, I will not be listening, says God. Your hands are covered with blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from my sight. Stop doing evil. Ouch. Not the words we wanted to hear, huh? We'd all like to rather hear Psalm 149. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the afflicted ones with salvation. So listen, I understand the potential for hypocrisy in praise. And I just want to briefly say this. When you are judging other people in their expression of praise, because you might know something in their life is not right, be very careful, because God has not made you a judge of them. Do you understand that? And you don't know, in fact, where they've been, and that this might be a miraculous expression for them. Do you see what I'm saying? Worse than that, it comes back on you, because then you're going to say, well, I don't have my act together, so I'm not going to dance. Or I, I'm not going to lift my arms up there, because I'm a spiritual mess right now. Be very careful because that's going to cause you to pull back from praise and doing it so physically. But I don't want you to know this. Listen, 
I, I get that whole thing of the hypocrisy that goes on with praise. But studies have been done, psychological studies of all faiths on their expressions of prayer, expressions of praise positions, and they said it does have a positive effect on our minds and on our emotions. It does. Lifting up hands can actually lift up your spirit too. Did you know that, um, for example, when you were bowing down can actually bring on feelings of humility as well? It's all possible that the outward positions can actually enhance our connections with God. That is this. Sometimes doing it on the outside begins to affect the inside. That's the benefit of doing something out of pure obedience, even if you don't feel like it. It's sort of like forgiveness. We're commanded to forgive regardless of the feelings of forgiveness that you might have. And then, of course, the feelings often follow our outward obedience. So that's to say sometimes, I know we don't want to be hypocrites, we don't want to be fake, but sometimes when you express praise outwardly, it does begin to affect you inwardly in a positive way. And listen, there is the concept of this called bringing a sacrifice of praise. Ian talked about this a couple weeks ago. He said this, it's praise that really costs you something. He referred to King David who said, look, I'm not willing to make a sacrifice to God that costs me nothing. And the writer of Hebrews says this, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. A sacrifice. It costs you to praise the Lord. It's not easy. It doesn't come naturally. You've had a terrible, terrible week emotionally. But when the moment comes to offer God praise, don't hold back. Don't sit there and say, no, I'm not praising because I really don't feel like it. I just, I want to be real. I get that. But the, the, the principle here is this. If you make that offering to God of praise, physically gauge in praise when you don't feel like it, he accepts that offering from you. He does. He accepts that. And some other perspectives we have on praise are as follows. Biblical praise gives us a perspective that empowers us. It gives us power. I first learned about this power of praise when I was a uh, new believer in the 19, ooh, dare I say, 70s. By the way, um, was it Wednesday this week? Yes. Um, I've, I've known the Lord now 48 years. And I still remember <laughs> that we learned how to praise God and use it as a weapon against the enemy. And it wasn't just positive thinking. It was much more than that. It's like, I'm going to praise God no matter what Satan throws at me. I don't care what obstacles I have in my life. He deserves my praise, and he's going to get it. I'm going to give it to him. I'm going to give it to him. And we learned that concept. And I thought, wow, this is, this is really powerful. Because then it, 
we are, we're not dependent on our mood. We're not dependent on having a good week. We're not dependent on any of those things because God is still God. And I'm going to use this as a weapon against the enemy. It's powerful to praise him at all times in every circumstance. David, when he wrote Psalm 63 that we had read today by Tyndall, did you know he was in a desperate place? When he wrote that psalm, right below the, the psalm itself, what is actually the first verse in the Hebrew, it says this, a psalm of David, when he was in the wilderness of Judah. That is, when Saul was out to kill him, when David was constantly under this oppression of somebody who was out to get him. He wrote that psalm then. It had nothing to do with the circumstances, did it? It's filled with glorious praise. But he was in a bad place when he wrote that psalm. And we can too. But listen, these concepts of the power that's in praise, it's not new. I found this quote from William Law. He was an English theologian during the 1700s. And he wrote this. If anyone will tell you the shortest the quick, shortest and surest way to all happiness and perfection. He must tell you to make it a rule to yourself to thank and praise God for everything that happens to you. For it is certain that whatever seeming calamity happens to you, if you thank and praise God for it, you turn it into a blessing. Amen. That's powerful stuff. And this guy, William Law, figured that out in the 1700s. It works like this. I'm going to praise the Lord when I feel like it, but I'm going to praise the Lord when I don't feel like it. I'm going to praise him for all the blessings that will come through the troubles I'm facing right now. By practicing praising at all times, we discover this. I get my focus off my troubles, off my trials. I get my, my eyes off of my tribulations and then I turn my perspective onto praising God first, which brings me to our next principle of our perspective, which is this. When we give God praise, our focus is fixed on him. When we're celebrating and doing biblical praise, we're not looking at all the other people in the room. Maybe you're checking the words on the screen, but your eyes and the eyes of your heart are on God. They're on God says this, Isaiah wrote this, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Second Chronicles, this is, we're hearing this again. Bill just shared that word. I got this amazing insight from this that in Second Chronicles 20, which by the way, Grubby's going to be bringing that to us next week in something called a liturgy of praise where all of us get to get into the act that before the Lord granted them their victory over their enemies, before they marched into battle in praise attire, singing praise songs, Jehoshaphat prayed this simple little prayer. Verse 12, he says, O oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we are powerless before this great multitude that's coming against us, nor do we know what to do. But our eyes are on you. And it's really showing there, God, hear us on this. But you know, Lord, our focus, it's fixed on you. It's a necessary component of our praise. 
and having power over our enemies, just like it was for them over their enemies, they fixed their eyes on the Lord. He was their focus. So let me cap off our discussion on positions of praise and perspectives of praise with a reading from the last Psalm, the book of, from the book of Psalms, Psalm 150. I love this. And I was wondering if we could stand for this. I'm winding down. Psalm 150 says this, Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty expanse. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent expanse, greatness. Praise him with the trumpet sound. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise him with stringed instruments and with pipes. <laughs> Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath Praise the Lord. What a way to finish the book of Psalms. It is. So let me close with this. I'm going to ask this question once again. How is your praise life? Now, perhaps today, somebody who's watching online, maybe even somebody who's here with us today, you learned something about praising God that you didn't know before. And you may feel like, I can't praise him because I don't know him. And maybe you'd like to know this God who is worthy of our praise. So I'd like to invite you maybe to restart your relationship with God. To say, my praise life stinks. And I really need to get that right with God. I need a restart. Well, you can pray a simple prayer like this and I'll pray it for you but I want you to hear all these words. Dear Jesus, I need you in my life. I know that I have messed it up. Please forgive me. I now turn away from the wrong things that I've been doing, and now I'm turning to you. Thank you for dying for me on the cross, for paying my debts. Thank you that you offer me complete pardon, the gift of your spirit, and I now receive that. Come into my life. I want a deeper relationship with you. I want to know what it means to live, to praise you, Jesus. And I thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, if you prayed those words or felt them in your heart today, you can be seated now. Sorry. I do want you to do this. I want everybody to close your eyes and just bow your heads down. And if, in fact, this prayer really resonated with you today, and if what we prayed is something you do, maybe you want to restart your life with God, I'd like to know that. I would, I would like you to express it by just putting a hand up in the air. Just put a hand up in the air, because the ushers have something to give you. If you want to start your walk with God, thank you, I see that hand, bless you. Anyone else? Just put a hand up in the air. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. If you're online with us today, if you will stay until the very end of the broadcast today, you'll get an opportunity to express your faith that you took today, that step of faith. 
and you can respond to that instructions given at the end of the broadcast. Amen. Well, would you all stand with me as we pray together? There we are. We're sitting, we're standing. <laughs> sitting, standing. So here's my challenges to you guys. Would you make a plan to practice some new position or some new posture of praise? Something new for praising the Lord that you've not done before. I don't care what it is, but just make your praise fresh. Make it fresh and new. Ask God to enhance your praise life. God is enthroned on the praises of his people. So ask him for that. Be mindful when we get together at times like this and we have praise and worship. Be mindful of what you're focusing on when you do that. And then in your prayer times, always take some time before, before make your requests known to God to give him some praise, to speak words of praise, to sing words of praise in your personal prayer time. Let's pray together. Lord, there is none like you. No one else deserves our praise like you do, Lord. And I accept, Lord, that I was created to glorify your name. And Lord, I do it now by praising you. Lord, let my life give praise to your name. Please give me strength, Lord, in all of my life, but especially, Lord, now, Strengthen my praise life. And let my focus be always on you, Lord. Cause all my trials and troubles to grow strangely dim. Because, Lord, we are powerless. We don't know what to do. But our eyes are on you, God. And we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you and we bless your name, O oh God. With all the words and all the language we have, O oh God, we want to give praise and thanks to you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the NC4 Podcast. For more info, visit our website at nc4.org. We believe in the power of a connected life. If you prayed to give your life to Jesus today, we'd love to help you walk it out together. Just text the word Jesus to 610-816-6062.